Hello, this is Unanimous Indecision. I'm Joshua Troop, and we are back talking movies. Back from vacation. A lot of fun stuff happened. I feel like there were some things I wanted to go through first. Um, And nah. But um, yeah, it was it was hot uh, where I went Um, is over. uh, It was 118 degrees. It was was very, very toasty. Um, I didn't want to go anywhere at all. Uh, Let me fix that lighting. Let's see if that's a little better. Um, Yeah, there we go. Uh, So. Yeah. I uh, just got back from vacation, uh, did my Bad Batch and Loki reviews, and ready to get back to the original schedule, although we're done with Loki, which which is crazy. Um, season one wrapped up last Tuesday, um, so won't be having that show this week, unfortunately, but we are still doing this week. We're doing the this show, the movie show, and then also uh we'll be doing bad batch per usual um so that's exciting um but for those of you this is your first time listening to us i just want to remind you that there's multiple ways you can find us apple podcast spotify wherever podcasts sold for free or you can find us on twitch.tv slash unanimous indecision where you can join the conversation live and share your thoughts and theories about whatever it is that we're talking about or you can shift the conversation to to different movie that you want to talk about. Um, but otherwise to get us going today, uh, t- the reviews for today for this week is gunpowder milkshake, which was Netflix and then space jam two, which I think was hybrid released um, HBO max and in theaters. Uh, and so we're going to start off with gunpowder milkshake, but before I get going, I just want to remind everyone that I spoil things here. I talk about movies in every little detail plot wise, at least. Um, and so I'm going to be spoiling things. It's kind of conversation you have at the water cooler at work or the lunch table at school, wherever you talk about movies or TV shows, just fun things. Cause that's what we like to do. Uh, so let's jump in with gunpowder milkshake. Uh, I, I thought this was a really good movie. Um, I read somewhere that someone was saying that it's a lot like birds of prey. And I'm like, if it's a lot like birds of prey, it's an insanely better version of birds of prey. Um, I, I thought it was a fun movie. The action's good. The comedy is good. Um, it's a little, uh, also, uh, the cinematographer of gunpowder milkshake this dude needs needs a raise. I don't know, but whoever did the cinematography for Gunpowder Milkshake, the the framing of shots, uh, possibly one of the best parts of this movie. Um, and it does a lot of the John Wick things. Like if you like John Wick, you'll probably like this movie. Um, it does a lot of those things. It, it kind of feels like they're in this weird alternate reality spy world in a lot of ways um with the firm uh but uh also the the gunplay like john wick is is done very well 
Um, it, it's nice to see it. I, I was trying to find out if it was the same people that worked on it, but I don't think it was. And so, so I think it's really cool to see that uh, maybe John Wick pioneered the revitalization of gunplay in movies, but uh, it's cool to see the other creatives uh, also, also having fun with it uh, like they did in Gun, Gunpowder Milkshake. Uh, because I thought the action was was super entertaining. Um, I like all the character interactions. I think they're fun. Uh, the this movie has one of the I think goofiest, most insane scenes ever, and it totally works in the movie, which is really cool. Um, the there's like this doctor who basically paralyzes her arms or whatever, and so she like taped a knife and a gun to each separate hand i don't totally know how she could pull the trigger but whatever um and she's just using the momentum of spinning her whole body to line up her her shots or her knife throws and like it was it was just super entertaining scene um and i thought it was done really well um the story itself, I thought, was fine. I mean, she kind of goes through a story that really helps her understand her mother in a lot of ways. Um, because I guess she she definitely probably had some a lot of negative animosity towards her. Um, and, and so they were able to reconnect on the other side of things. Uh, one of the things that I didn't... I thought... I mean, I guess maybe I'm misremembering, but uh the, there's this little girl in um in the movie who she ends up kind of taking charge of but and the reason she takes charge of it is because she kind of killed her dad and so uh karen gillen's character killed her dad and so she takes charge of her and at one point they they build up the idea that like hey eventually you're gonna have to tell her what happened to her dad and eventually she does tell her what happened to her dad but then it like didn't amount to anything because the the little girl is just like no i don't believe you you're just saying that to try to get rid of me and it never went back to it to be like no that actually did happen like like that that was the truth and it never it kind of sidestepped that drama by like shifting the motivation behind the scene i guess uh, which it still worked. It's just like it never, that moment never actually happened, which I think maybe was a missed opportunity. Um, but otherwise, I, re I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a ton of fun. Um, Karen Gillan crushes. Um, the rest of the actresses um, crush. Uh, Michelle Yao, uh, Lena Headey, Carla Gugino, uh, where's Angela Bassett? Um, and then... Paul Giamatti as kind of this like caring villain. Uh, um, I, I thought it was spectacular because um, he's not in enough movies anymore. Uh, and so to see him again in this role, uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, it. I don't totally get how the mom survived, but it's one of those movies that like, I don't know, I guess... I don't really need to know the answer. Um, but yeah, it's weird because like the diner in this movie is very similar to 
uh, the Continental of John Wick. And yet it's like not, it, it clearly chooses a side. Whereas the Continental like enforces its rules like 100%. No business is conducted on Continental grounds. And if you do, you're gone. Like it's 100% to everyone, no bias. And then, but, but this diner like very clearly sides with one side. And I was like, hmm, that's a little weird. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't have anything too specific to say about this movie uh, other than the fact that the cinematography was fantastic. Um, the framing of shots, holding the camera in certain positions or down certain hallways, the hallway shots always a go-to, I think. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Um, there's a car driving scene that I think is very funny cause she's still paralyzed. And so the little girl steering, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a fun movie. It's a fun movie that people should check out. A little violent, for sure. But uh, but I think it's definitely fun. Uh, and ultimately about like a mother-daughter relationship, which, you know, pretty wholesome. <laughs> Without a wholesome binding. Although a little... <laughs> the, the thing that I think is funny is that like their friends or whatever, they are librarians... And like that was a fun like little weirdness, but uh, all of the books have like contraband in it. Like it's either got like money, passports, uh, weapons, and it's just cut out of all these books. And I'm like, are they kind of the worst librarians ever or the best spies ever? I don't know. Uh, that's for someone else to decide, I guess. But. Yeah, it was a fun movie. Uh, going on to the other movie I'm reviewing today, Space Jam, A New Legacy. <sighs> this movie I was not looking forward to. And it was marginally better than I thought it would be. Marginally. I thought it was going to be unwatchable. It was, it's watchable. It was just not that great of a movie. Um, I don't even remember the, the old Space Jam that much, but uh, yeah, I don't know. This, this movie just didn't do it for me. It was, it was very weird. Uh, I think Don Cheadle was certainly trying his hardest in it, um, but I don't think. And, and I don't even necessarily it was the di say it was the dialogue or the actor's faults. In a lot of times, I actually think it was the dialogue's fault um, that it didn't really f give uh, LeBron James and company that much room to actually act. It, the The dialogue was very just like forced, and it was I don't know. I, I just wasn't. A fan of most of the dialogue is it, it was very forced it was like oh that's what i should do like he would say that out loud and it's like well you don't need to do that uh the looney tunes themselves i think were done pretty well um and i think that's pretty much the watchable side of this movie 
um, is the Looney Tunes kind of doing what they do best. Uh, and I almost, I think the first half of the movie minus the real world stuff, but once they get sucked into the cyberverse or whatever, um, and the LeBron James and Bugs Bunny are assembling the team by going to different Warner brothers properties and finding the other Looney Tunes. I think that was pretty fun. Um, it was a fun idea. Um, and there was a lot of creativity used in it, but I gotta say that like once we got past that and the basketball game started, like, I feel like the viewer on a lot of, I, I feel like most viewers, maybe not all, but most viewers <laughs> were really identifying with LeBron James in the sense that like, no, this isn't basketball. Like, yeah, it's okay that this isn't basketball, but I feel like Space Jam, we are all expecting it to just be a basketball game. And it was so much more complicated than that. Um, and yeah, I mean, the the whole basketball game was, it was kind of arbitrary, right? And then the fact that it, it actually came down to a two-point shot when so many of the other shots were worth like north of 50 points because of the video game rules that, that they employed in it. Uh, it just made the ending a little bit arbitrary. <laughs> um, obviously the moral, the story told was really good, but I, I feel like this movie really fell into just kind of an Easter egg hunt that it was like, Hey, this is, from this Warner Brothers IP and this from this Warner Brothers IP. And that's a fun idea and all, but uh, there's a pitch at the very beginning where um, Don Cheadle's character who plays the villain, Don Cheadle plays the villain, Algae Rhythm, um, who's an algorithm working for Warner Brothers and he's pitching Warner Brothers new products, new film ideas, and one of them is for LeBron James to kind of help be their face or whatever. And it feels very like self-aware in a bad way that it feels like that's exactly how this film was conceptualized is that some computer was like, Hey, LeBron James is popular. Hey, Warner Brothers has popular IP. Hey, let's make a movie together. Um, here, here's a space jam movie that hasn't had a sequel in several decades. Uh, let, let's make another one. Um, and algorithms just like, yep, that'll make money. Um, and so it pitches this idea and then it also within the idea pitches this idea to LeBron James. And it's kind of funny cause, <laughs> I feel like, again, it being self-aware and maybe not a positive way, uh, there are two Warner Brothers executives played by actors, of course. Um, I believe they're played by... Let me see if I can even find them. Uh, played by Sarah Silverman and Steven Yeun uh, as Warner Brothers executives. Um, but they... They were so like incompetent. <laughs> they were so incompetent and the algorithm just makes their decisions for them. And it's clearly making bad decisions. And it, it, it 
<laughs> I was like, it's weird that Warner Brothers would choose to paint themselves like this. Like you could definitely go too far and be like, oh, we have the best ideas since sliced bread. By this, they're like, oh, we're just idiots. And it's like, well, after watching this movie, maybe you are because this wasn't that good. Um, I also don't know why they made the Looney Tunes 3D um, in the final basketball game. Uh, because like algorithm was like it's time for them to get an upgrade and i definitely thought it was gonna be like oh they're no longer true cartoons so like because that was a big part of the the movie is that they're cartoons but uh maybe they're no longer true cartoons and so it uh they uh, I lost my train of thought. Totally lost in mid sentence. Uh, so so they could do a lot of cartoonish things, you know, the standard Looney Tunes shenanigans. And when they got upgraded to be three D animated characters, I kind of thought, hey, maybe um, uh, they won't be able to do so many of their cartoonish things. Um. But that wasn't the case, so whatever. I'm not totally sure what the point of that was other than to show that they could do it graphically. Uh, I also don't totally understand what the villain's... Mo not motivation. I understand his motivation. He wanted to be recognized. But his his end game was trapping everyone in the cyberverse. To, to what end, I guess? So that he can control everyone's surroundings? Is that what it is? So that he can play God? He just wants to be more controlling? He wants to be worshipped? And if he can't be worshipped in the real world, he can be worshipped in the cyberverse? Feels like he's settling a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, again, I think a lot of the Looney Tunes-specific stuff was done pretty well. Um, there were definitely some jokes that really worked um that i thought were pretty funny i was laughing about um there was one but i can't remember it now i'll have to hunt it down uh that i thought was really good in the movie and i was i was impressed because the rest of the movie wasn't really impressing me uh dialogue wise it just most of it seemed so forced um and like Bugs Bunny is like, now you have to chase me. And like, I guess that's sort of what the kind of stuff that Bugs Bunny does. But at the same time, I was like, it was just too much, too much of that directly acknowledging dialogue. And so wasn't that big of a fan of this movie, um, but people should check it out, form their own opinions. That's what I always say. Um, but if you want to talk about it in particular, I'd love to talk about it. Uh, so that's probably all I'm going to say about these two movies. Kind of short reviews this week because uh, I'm all by myself. It's hard to have a conversation by yourself. But uh, don't worry. We will be talking about a lot of movie news in just a second here. But before I move on to that, I want to remind everyone to rate, review, subscribe, follow wherever you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or twitch.tv slash unanimous indecision so that you can always get notified about the latest and greatest episodes that are we're posting here. 
Um, so you can always keep up with the conversations that are happening. Um, and like we're about to go into the movie news that's going on. What, what movies are being made? What actors are being cast? Where? Um, also, like the Facebook page, join the Facebook group and just do all those things to help other people uh, find us and so that we can continue to grow the conversation. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the movie news. Um, two big trailers. Uh, one of them was The Last Duel. Um, a movie that since I heard about, I was kind of looking forward to it said it was based on a true story in, in the, uh, trailer, which I didn't know about, but it's Matt Damon, Adam driver, Ben Affleck. Um, and basically, uh, uh, the, the medieval times, you know, time of Kings and Knights, um, and I guess basically one of the knights gets one of the knights' wives accuses a different knight of abusing her. Um, and but it's during medieval times, and so there's obviously a lot of problems with those times. And uh, but but to watch all, all these really good actors delve into, um, it seems like a very dramatic story. Um, and if it, I, I haven't looked into the, the true story that it's based on, but it, it seems, it seems really good. Um, I like, I mean, it's all kind of interesting. Cause like it comes down to a duel between these two knights, but it's like, what does them fighting each other actually have to do with her case? Um, but that was kind of the point of the time is that a lot of it didn't make that much did, didn't make a lot of good sense. I'll say. <laughs> um, so, so it looks like it'll be really interesting. Um, I, I'm excited to see it, uh, but that's not coming out for a while. I don't think maybe by the end of the year, I don't, I don't know if it's this year or next year. I know for COVID it got pushed around cause I think it was supposed to be last year. Um, but yeah, so that one looks good. Um, the, the costumes, the medieval stuff, um medieval dramas that that seems very fun uh the other one uh to kind of go quickly on this but uh turning red that's pixar's latest movie um or their next one uh since we just did luca they're already moving on to their next one turning red i feel like we're getting a lot more pixar movies now you know they're they're cranking them out um, maybe not, maybe they're maintaining pace. I don't know. Uh, but this one's about a young girl, um, who's basically going through puberty, but, uh, they do it in a very metaphorical sense, um, that a lot of, she's very excitable and anxious and, um, she hulks out into a giant red panda, um, when she gets excited and whatnot, or panics um and so it's a lot about like i guess controlling your initial hormones when you're young to um better understand them um and then to, to better understand yourself i mean it seems like good uh a fun story with like that that's that's what the story it's telling like we were saying that every pixar film kind of chooses a specific theme to be telling 
um the, this one's kind of about just it's a literal coming of age story that what happens when you get to a certain age uh and the hormone imbalances you have um the trailer seemed a little funny it seemed fun um her mom seems like crazy helicopter parent but uh which yeah that'll drive anyone to turning into a red panda i guess uh so that that should be a fun one um moving on to the actual i mean those are kind of news but it's new stuff but um moving on to the news uh oscar nominated filmmaker greta gerwig has signed on to direct a barbie movie should be interesting i guess um this is for this is one of those mattel uh real toy game real toy movies kind of thing um so yeah and uh it will star margot robbie um when the actor and filmmaker signed on to co-write the script with noah bombach uh so yeah the i feel like we talked about the possibility of a barbie movie not too long ago and so i guess they're definitely moving forward with it um expected production early next year and 2023 release um <laughs> i'm not that interested in a barbie movie but if it turns out to be just this really interesting rom-com or something that just is kind of loosely based on barbie or whatever sure go for it let's do it um if it ends up being this weird clone movie, sure, let's do it. You know, because there, there's all the different Barbies that exist. Like, yeah, that would be weird. Go for it. Put some spin on it. Uh, otherwise, I don't know. I'm not that interested. Totally just spilled some water on myself. Uh, this is a little unexpected, I think, but maybe they did like their streaming numbers. Uh, but I, I'd heard that the streaming numbers weren't that good, so I'm a little surprised. But The Tomorrow War is potentially getting a sequel. Um, Amazon Skydance are in talks for a sequel, reteaming with Chris Pratt and director Chris McKay and more. Um including a lot of the returning cast. I am not even going to go through any of it. They, they basically want everyone returning. Um, Paramount is also involved in the sequel. Um, and they were the ones who were originally supposed to distribute the first film theatrically before they made a deal with Amazon to just drop it there. Um, there's over 20 the commas in the wrong spot so but sure maybe 20,000 reviews maybe it's 2,000 but maybe it's 20,000 reviews uh for the tomorrow war giving it four and a half out of five stars like I said I really enjoyed this movie uh <laughs> so I'm happy other people did too number one ranking street across streaming platforms in the U.S. Wow, Prime Video saw worldwide records setting viewership in Brazil, India, France, Italy, Spain, Germany, Australia, Mexico, Argentina, and Japan. Three million TV households 
what do they mean tv terrestrial households what else are there uh <laughs> samba tv which is kind of the people that have been giving us a lot of these streaming numbers for like disney plus they say that 2.4 million u.s households watch the tomorrow war um which i mean tom clancy's without remorse had 2.3 million so yeah that's that's pretty good i guess um I mean, I don't exactly know what's good, but but it's playing around with some some other movies. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's really cool for for Tomorrow War. Um, gives Chris Pratt yet another franchise, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, Jurassic Park. But uh, I, I really like the Tomorrow War. I I thought it was just super enjoyable, super fun. Uh, so. Uh, well, we'll have to see uh, what happens with it. I hope it gets a sequel. I don't know that it needs a sequel, but sure, why not? Let's just make sequels to things. Um, let's make original movies. This is an original movie, and so then making a sequel to it, I don't know. I, I'm okay with it. Um, I like it when when I like when when good films get recognized, and I think a lot of people realize that this movie was really enjoyable. Um, and so, it, if it were to get a sequel, that would be a definite uh, acknowledgement of it being a well well made film. Um, so, so I'm hopeful. I guess uh, this next one, I feel like we talked about this. We haven't talked about it in a while. Is Matthew Vaughn? Um, he, his like new spy film that it was saying it was going to have a really big cast. It's called Argyle. Um, and it has a huge ensemble. Uh, let's see if I could just find a list to the big name actors. Do we not just have a list of the actors here? Uh, where is it? Come on. Hmm. Here we are. Okay, the cast will feature Henry Cavill, Sam Rockwell, Bryce Dallas Howard, Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara, John Cena, and Samuel L. Jackson in starring roles. Um, like that's that's so much. Also, the singer Dua Lipa will be in it. Um. But yeah, like that's a pretty pretty solid cast for a spy movie, you know. That that's exciting enough on its own. That cast. Um, I wonder if they'll do the Kingsman thing and make Samuel Jackson the villain again of a spy movie, you know. Um, but yeah, that cast alone with Matthew Vaughn directing. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Sure, G give me more spy movies. I'll never turn that down. Um. Moving on, Nick Cage, Nicholas Cage, was supposed to be, does everybody remember the Tiger King at the height of COVID? Yeah, that came, it went, we all learned about it, and Nicholas Cage was supposed to star as Joe Exotic in a Tiger King drama series on Amazon. Apparently that project is scrapped. So... Not happening. Um, I think if anyone was going to portray it, 
I think Nick Cage would be the correct person to that having watched the documentary. I don't think it needs to. The documentary speaks for itself. That that is the best version of itself. There's no reason to make a dramatic series about this when if you just watch the show, watch the docu series, it, it it speaks for itself. Everything you need to know is in there. Like you you don't need this other product to talk about it. Um yeah, I don't know. The that docu series just captured it perfectly. Uh, this is some cool news. Uh, I believe we talked about how Star Trek four would actually happen. And apparently it's supposed to be directed by WandaVision's Matt Shackman, uh, script by Lindsay beer and Geneva Robertson Dwarrett. Uh, so yeah, Matt Shackman is, has made a deal to direct the next Star Trek film for Paramount and, um, Bad Robot, which did all the other Star, the other three Star Trek movies with J.J. Abrams, you know. Um, but it's just a production company, you know. That doesn't necessarily mean one way or another that J.J. Abrams will be involved. I don't know. Um, a lot of people have made recent attempts at scripting Star Trek films. But uh, this one is the one that seems to be moving forward. Uh, I think that's pretty cool uh, because Star Trek Beyond came out in 2016, uh, I think. And I liked that movie. I enjoyed it. Um, but then again, I also enjoy Star Trek Into Darkness. So take that what you will. Uh, but yeah, I think the new Star Trek films are fun. There, there's definitely a lot of action in them which maybe some of the original Star Trek films didn't have. But uh, yeah, I think they're fun, fun films. They're interesting. Um, and so we'll, we'll have to wait and see where, where this one pans out, but hopefully they're able to get that uh, 2009 cast back, man. That's crazy that it's been 12 years there's a franchise. Let, let's look at that franchise for a moment. In 12 years, 12 years ago, they decided to reboot Star Trek with Star Trek 2009. And then shortly after, we got Star Trek Into Darkness. And then we eventually got Star Trek Beyond in 2016. We got three films in 12 years. And the fact that this one hasn't even totally started, it'll probably be three films in maybe 14 years. Which I gotta say, for a franchise, that's not that hot. And then people are gonna say, well, what about Avatar? Avatar hasn't had a sequel in 10 years. Well, that's just it, though. It's it's only had its original. And once the sequel comes out, it will be pumping out the future sequels as well. So it won't be too long of a wait between films. Um, like if you're just waiting between one and two, that's fine. It's the idea of waiting between one and two, waiting between two and three, waiting between three and four that to where you almost think, are they even going to make another one of these or just reboot it again? Um, and I think a lot of people's feeling was that they'd probably just reboot it again, but I guess it is what it is. And, uh, I'm excited. Uh, I hope it works out. I hope it's a good one. 
I, I thought he was a good director in WandaVision. I, I really like the directing of WandaVision. Um, Indiana Jones 5 has been filming for a little bit now, and Antonio Banderas apparently joined the cast. Um, joining Harrison Ford, Phoebe Waller, Bridge, Mads Mikkelsen, Boyd Holbrook, Jeanette, Renee Wilson, uh, and Thomas Kretschmann. Uh, that's cool, I guess. Uh, yeah, Antonio Banderas. I mean, I, I don't see him in too many too many big movies anymore. Uh, he was in Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, but other than that, I can't think of the last movie I saw him in that was new. You know, um, I, I'm sure he did like a lot of indie work or something, or maybe he took a break. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Indiana Jones Five, awesome. Let, let's get some more some more classic actors in there. Uh, I'm waiting for Sylvester Stallone to be announced or Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Uh, otherwise, uh, some not so surprising news, Marvel studios and DC films to skip San Diego comic con. If you didn't know San Diego comic con, I think is going to be virtual again this year. Um, I was not thrilled with it last year. I thought most of the panels were not didn't even sound that interesting. And then the ones that I watched weren't that interesting either because there was the sense, this idea that a lot of the panels that because they were virtual, a lot of the big actors didn't really like care to even go. Cause they were like, what's the point? Uh, we're not interacting with fans hardly at all. So, so why do we need to do this? Um, the only panels that I thought were really good that I saw, maybe there were other good panels, but the only ones that I saw, um, that I enjoyed was the new mutants panel because obviously we're been waiting so many years for that one. So that was a fun panel to watch. And then also the bill and Ted face the music panel. Those are the only two though from last year. And so, uh, this year yet again, uh, I'm curious what the panels will be like because they, they're not going to have, Yet again, they're not going to have Marvel in DC because Marvel is going to probably release all of its stuff at some sort of virtual D23, um, similar to they have done in recent years past. And then DC is going to have their own fandom event, uh, which I actually thought was pretty good. Um, certainly better than Comic-Con in my mind, but also focused on things I was more interested in. So maybe for me. Um. But yeah, Marvel Studios films and series won't be putting an appearance during the will not be putting an appearance during the virtual edition of Comic-Con, nor will Warner Brothers films. We're still waiting to hear apparently if Sony's Marvel titles, I guess those could. Um, I'd be curious if they'll go there or if D23 will convince them to put all the Spider-Man stuff next to the rest of the Marvel stuff. Uh, Warner Brothers erupts the third year in a row that they're skipping Comic-Con. Uh, last time they were there was with Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins offering one, a sneak peek at Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, Marvel, yeah, has moved everything pretty much to Disney+. Plus. They've also kind of already announced so many things that we still haven't gotten. Like, like what's the announcement we're really expecting uh, other than maybe some like castings, but other than that, not really expecting too much. Um, 
I guess that's a good point. I wonder where Dune falls. Like if they'll throw Dune in the DC fandom because Dune isn't being made by DC films. Um, so will just that uh, book thing. I guess Wheel of Time could have something at Comic-Con, right? That's, that's based on a book, but not attached to a major studio. I mean, I guess Amazon's becoming a major studio, but... Uh, but yeah, so like I guess Wheel of Time could maybe. Uh, I know Ian will be happy about that. Uh, but yeah, I'm not surprised about this. Um, I think it's also a good decision because I think their own events are better than the comic, the virtual Comic Con event. The virtual Comic Con event feels like you get teleported back to the 1990s. I don't know. It's just not good. Or at least I'm not a fan of it. Uh, according to Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, Black Adam has wrapped filming. Uh, cool. That's pretty exciting, considering we've got an Adam Smasher, a Hawkman. Um, uh, I don't know some of these other characters. Cyclone, Dr. Fate. Uh, like that. That'll be an interesting movie, Black Adam. It's one I'm really excited for. Uh, I think we're supposed to get in the middle of next year. Um, I know he still currently has a movie getting ready to come out very soon, maybe even next week. Uh, Jungle Cruise, uh, two weeks from now, I guess. Uh, so yeah, that's exciting that they uh they wrapped up filming that one. Um. And then, um, yeah, I'm so excited for Pierce Brosnan's Dr. Fate in Black Adam. That, that's going to be so good. That, that's the one thing I'm excited for about that movie. I mean, the, the, I'm sure the movie will be good otherwise, but I just want to see Pierce Brosnan's Dr. Fate. That'll be great. Uh, on the other side of the coin, Blade got a director... Um, we are wondering about Blade, I think. Blade was like the only product that we weren't seeing like any movement on. I, I was even saying that, Hey, blade was announced in a more official way than fantastic four was, but fantastic four got itself. It's director quicker. It got the Spider-Man director, John, John Watts. Uh, and so I was like, what the heck is going on with the blade movie? Um, they grabbed Basam Tariq, uh, to direct uh, Blade. He's best known for directing the Riz Ahmed film Mogul Mowgli. Um, this Blade movie will feature Mahershala Ali as Blade. Um, the Daywalker. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Um, I, I'm still very curious how this film is going to fit in with the MCU. Uh, what, the, what the vampires are going to be doing. Maybe he'll crossover with uh, Morbius. Maybe it'll crossover with Spider-Man. Maybe, maybe something. Uh, there's some great Wolverine crossovers that Blade does. So, uh, yeah. I, I don't really know what to think of this, but I'm, I'm glad they finally got a director to, to move forward with it. <laughs> you know, because otherwise it's just kind of a product in our mind. Our last article, because it's kind of a short show this week, um, supposedly, kind of a rumor, 
but a big rumor. Loki just finished season one. The director was even saying there wasn't even supposed to be a season two. And she doesn't even want to do season two. But Loki will reportedly appear in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So, yeah, the Hollywood Reporter reports that Loki is expected to appear in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which wrapped filming earlier this year and finds Doctor Strange co-starring along um, Scarlet Witch. Uh, Doctor Strange 2 is expected to follow the footsteps of WandaVision. Uh, yada, yada, yada. The final s episode of Loki... This is kind of a spoiler. We saw the timeline fracturing, turning into the multiverse. You know, uh, Marvel confirmed that Loki has been renewed for season two and at the end of the episode. Um, but apparently before we'll get season two of Loki, we're going to get Doctor Strange too. This is so weird to me because I've been saying that Loki season one feels like an unfinished story. And now it's going to be interrupted. Like so weird. What is season two going to be about? I don't know. Um, but of course, a lot of the actors around this film are uh, talking very highly. Um, I'm pretty sure Michael Waldron is the writer of both. Uh, the film also has, yeah, uh, Michael Waldron wrote both Loki and Doctor Strange too. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely, ex I guess, I guess it makes sense, but um, we're also supposed to see the return of, I didn't know this was confirmed because I hadn't been hearing anything. Uh, Rachel McAdams uh, playing Dr. Palmer, Benedict Wong as Wong, um, and Chiwetel Ejiofor as Mordo. Um, that's cool that the three of them are coming back. I, I wasn't sure about all of them. But yeah, kind of crazy that Loki's going to be in this between his... I don't know. <laughs> I I guess I maybe I don't understand what the, the end of the... To me... We're in a whole new timeline, right? After Loki season one, which I'm not that big of a fan of reboots. So I guess it's something of a soft reboot or something. Uh, maybe it will be a full reboot and we'll get a recasting of iconic characters. I don't know. But we'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, Doctor Strange 2 comes out early next year. So that, that'll be exciting. Uh, we're, we're not too far away for that. But uh, probably going to wrap up here because that's the last of our news. Uh, but don't forget, Saturday noon Eastern time will be the Bad Batch episode 13. We'll be discussing it. There's only four episodes left, so it will be a fun one to discuss. There's no Loki this week, obviously, so just two shows. And next Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern time, We'll be doing uh, Old and Snake Eyes, those two movies, uh, Old and Snake Eyes. Old looks very interesting by M. Night Shyamalan, and Snake Eyes, the G.I. Joe spinoff, standalone, whatever you want to reboot. I don't know what it's called, uh, but yeah, Snake Eyes and Old for next week, Wednesday.
I think that is it. So I'm Joshua Troop, Busy Names Indecision. We'll catch you next time.